My title this morning is called, So What? So what? But so with a W. So what? What are we sowing in our lives in every season, and especially in difficult seasons? So I'm going to get to talking about sowing, but first uh, I'm going to round my way to it. So here we go. Um, don't high-five someone, but turn to someone and yell across to them. These are interesting times. They are interesting times. Things are fluid one day from one day to the next. Things are changing. Rest- restrictions are tightening. You know, um, the outlook is different. Oh, you know, there's a cure. Oh, no, there's not a cure. Everyone's going to die. Who knows? You just hear a thousand different things, and we just don't know one day to the next. If we re- rewind a week and we thought... I mean, it seems like an eternity ago now, they were still thinking of running the Formula One Grand Prix in Melbourne. And that just seems like unthinkable now. But it's changed so fast, and every day's been different. And we're wondering, is this going to be over in a month? I, I love and I believe the words that um, Julie was saying before, you know, over by April, but the reports aren't saying that, are they? And so it's so difficult to weigh up what's really going to happen. Will this be around for years or will we be laughing in a month and remembering the coronavirus times? We don't know. We don't know. But no matter what is happening in the world, now is our chance to distinguish ourselves by not buying into the panic. And there's a balance. And I feel a real peace. I love what Sarah shared. I feel a real peace as well. I feel a peace about it. And I think we have the opportunity now to spread that peace to spread that peace in our neighbourhoods. And I want to explain my piece to you, just as Sarah explained hers. Um, I don't know what's going to happen next. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm like everyone. Um, But it wouldn't be a piece if we knew, would it? It would be just knowledge. Um, And as most of you know, I had a liver transplant um, in 1997. That's a long time ago, 23 years, something like that. Um, and so that actually places me in the category of high vulnerability with this particular virus. And, um, and so it, it starts to creep in your mind, you know, oh, gee, I'm, I'm, I'm first against the wall here. This is, this is pretty scary, and it is scary. Um, if this gets out of hand, it doesn't sound good. You know, I'm among the people who are getting hardest hit. But, you know, I have such a faith in God that he just brought this piece to me that is really difficult to explain. It's like every single heartbeat, every breath I have anyway, he already knows about. And whatever it is that takes me from, from this life onto the next, God already knows about that. And so it's up to me to live carefully. You know, we know God holds us in our hands. It doesn't mean you don't look both ways before you cross the road. You look after yourself. But the combination of you looking after yourself and God doing his bit, then there's only trust after that. And so I have this trust and this peace that's just overwhelmed me about this whole thing that not necessarily that, um, oh, I'm going to be fine and and whatever. And I believe I am going to be fine, don't get me wrong. But no matter what happens, no matter what happens, God's in control. And it actually reminded me of a story um, many, many New Year's Eves ago. I was about... 16, I guess, and I was with my cousin and and we were with a couple of mates and 
we we were at this barbecue early in the New Year's Eve evening, and we were leaving. We were just leaving the barbecue. We were backing out the driveway, and a guy came around the corner, and he crashed into the power pole across the road, and he leapt out of the car and went into the house we'd just come from. And then immediately, the entire street was swarmed with police and, and like, armed police. And in New Zealand, the police aren't normally armed. They just... They have batons, no guns. So to see armed police, you're like, well, this is serious. And so suddenly we were swamped. And immediately I had a gun in my window. I was sitting behind the driver of this car, and there's a cop standing there with a gun like this. And I've never seen that end of a gun before. And I was like, whoa. So I, d I did hands up like this, because, you know, I've just seen movies. And so I did this. And he just stood there. Nobody said anything. He just stood there, and I was looking at this gun, and I was like, oh, I this, is, this is not fun. Like, this, happened, this got out of hand fast. And, um, and about 15 minutes went by, and I, I immediately I started to relax. Like, after the initial, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? I looked at my situation, and I thought, this end of a gun is it's not a good thing. But I'm not worried, because who's on the other end of it? He has no reason to pull the trigger. I trust him. He's a policeman. He's trained. I trust him. And sometimes it is the case that the immediate part of our circumstance is not good. It looks bad. But what's beyond that? Who's got the trigger? Who's got the trigger? And so we're all looking now at something that seems awful on the surface. The, the initial vision is, is not good. But we can trust who's got the trigger. We know God is in control, and we can trust him. And, um, yeah, so it was really scary times. Actually, my co the cop, he goes, uh, after a while, he goes to me, well, you guys got planned for the night. And I was, <laughs> I was like, uh, I was hoping to live. And, um, and my cousin goes, shut up, man, like this. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> He's making idle chit-chat with a gun at me. Anyway, it was all good. We were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but yeah, it, I often think about that. This, what I can see is bad, but what's deeper than that? Who's in control? It's always God, amen? Uh, again, Curry Ten Boom says, There are no ifs in God's world, and no places that are safer than others. The center of his will is our only safety. Let us pray that we may always know it. And that's from the book called The Hiding Place. If you've got time in the next couple of weeks, definitely read it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so peace is not because of what we know. It's actually in spite sometimes of what we know. It's because of who we know. Yeah. It's time I read a scripture. Uh, Isaiah 9 verse 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I just want to hone in on that Prince of Peace name that we have for God, for Jesus. So that's a prophecy about Jesus. We often hear it rolled out at um, our Christmas time. And so we can see that, God, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is called the Prince of Peace. And his peace is available for us in times of uncertainty, including this one. And so there's a few things about that name, Prince of Peace, I just want to highlight. Uh, the good thing about Jesus is we don't have to chase him. He actually chased us. He came out of heaven, and he came to earth, and he lived and died for us. He's pursuing you. You just have to stand still long enough for him to catch up. You know, the prince of somewhere is the ruler of that place. 
And it says the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the ruler of peace. He brings peace. He has authority over it. And so we can trust him with the, with the peace. And the other amazing news, and it's probably the best news for us, is that peace is a person. Peace is the person of Christ. And, um, and it's good news because it means he gets it. He's been here before. He's been through what we're going through. He's been betrayed. He's seen sickness and health. He knows wealth and lack. He knows the heavenly wealth, and he knows what it is to go 40 days without anything. He knows everything we've been through, and he can relate. If you were here at Christmas time, Pastor Brad brought a message called um, was Under the Christmas Tree or something, and it was about um, Wonderful Counselor, the name Wonderful Counselor, and we can rely on that name because Jesus has been through what we've been through. So he can counsel us. He's not a distant God. He's a relatable God because he understands it. And he still reigns now. You know, Jesus reigns right now. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords right now. Saturday, the 22nd of March, 2020, Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. Let us not forget that. I think we have the opportunity now to spread peace, real peace, through our neighborhood. Um, this God we serve, he's the God of victories. Amen? He's the God of victory and he's the God of the mountain. When we're having a good experience, he's God. You know, he's God when we're healthy. He's God when we have a new job, when, when we're marrying the person of our dreams, when we're buying a house, when we're having children. You know, we find it easy to praise that God, don't we? But... But how do we find it to praise God when things are not going well? We need to remember that God is God of the valley as well. The, the same God, God of the mountain, is also God of the valley. And um, he's God when the diagnosis is bad and when you've been laid off. He's still God when you're signing divorce papers and when the bank is coming after your house and when the child you raised doesn't even want to return your phone calls. He's still God then too. And sometimes we forget that. And it's really difficult to praise God in those times, isn't it? It's so like, oh, God, yeah, I got a new job. Yeah, that's easy. But, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord, I got laid off. <laughs> that's not easy. And that's why when something like this virus creeps in and people start losing jobs and things start going as they're not, not as they're planned, it's so easy to drop our faith. So easy. And think, wow, how can you be... God in this time, but you know God is God in this time. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Excuse me a second, I am. Who loves that scripture? It's, it's so good. Um, You know, the truth is that we all have shadows. This, this um, scripture talks about the valley of the shadow of death. We all have shadows. And before coronavirus, if I had read the scripture two weeks ago, each one of us would have had a different shadow in our mind. And we would have thought, oh, yeah, you know, that, amen, that scripture is about this situation. But now we have a common shadow. And it's not that common. It's not that it doesn't happen often that the entire world is affected by one thing. It's very strange. Um, you know, we hear news reports of 
war in such and such a place or you know earthquakes in such and such a place and you think oh no that's awful but when is the last time we were all united in a shadow it's it's interesting it's interesting times really interesting times we we need to walk the line of facing the reality of this shadow in a way that gets us on the level where people where we understand people but that spreads the peace and that spreads a peace that's more infectious than the virus and the fear and so you understand what i'm saying we need to i, I love what julie was saying before you know yeah we believe that God's going to take care of this. We believe God's going to take care of us. Amen. But to walk into a, our families and say, ah, don't even worry about it, that's actually going to separate them from us. Yeah. Because they say, well, you don't get it. It's scary times. You're just living on the clouds. So we need to find a, a way to walk amongst it without being affected by it. And, um, and Jesus, he gives, he gives us a great example. Um, when Lazarus died, you know, Jesus shows up to the scene and he's already said, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's already said he's going to do that. He knows his plan, but he shows up and he doesn't go, what are you crying about? Don't even worry about it. He doesn't do that because that's dismissive of the reality and how people feel. He shows up and he, he cries with them. He's a Jesus who cries with them. But then he has victory over the situation. And we need to be the same way in our dealings with the people around us. This is tough. It's tough. You're going through a tough time. We all are. But there's a God who's above this. But there's a God who's above this. We cannot reach people by discounting their hurts. In fact, we need to relate to them and understand them. And so the middle ground is in us experience the real situation, but seeing it through God's eyes, seeing life where others see death, seeing hope where others see no hope, and bringing light to a dark situation. That will cause us to behave differently to those who see no hope. And because we have the hope living within us. You know, God's really challenging me this week, actually, on Monday. So I knew I was speaking um, from a wee while back, and I've been thinking about this message. And then I've been actually thinking... You know, I'm going to avoid talking about coronavirus-related stuff. We hear enough about that. And then God just kept, like, prodding me. You need to address this. And so, okay, cool. And so on Monday, he started to ask me, what are you sowing in this time? What are you sowing in this time? And he gave me two scriptures. So I'm going to share with you for the rest of our time together the two scriptures and what I believe God's encouraging me with them. Who's okay with that? Cool, let's do it. There are two areas of sowing I'm going to highlight, one with each scripture. The first one is sowing into ourselves. Sowing into ourselves. Uh, Genesis 26 verse 1 says, Now there was a famine in the land besides the famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Palestines, uh, Philistines in Gerar. Now, um, do you see that Isaac had a different famine than Abraham? 
And so if you're actually reading through Genesis, you'll possibly be getting a bit of deja vu because the story is almost exactly like a story about Abraham. It starts with a famine, and then he lies about who his wife is. And it's almost identical. You think, oh, I've, I've read this part. But Isaac does something different. We're going to come to that in a second. Because down in Genesis 26, 12, it says, Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Now, in between those two scriptures, God tells um, Isaac, don't go to Egypt. So Abraham, in his time of famine, he moved. He went to a different country to survive the famine, and he came back. Isaac, his son, exactly the same circumstance. Famine in my land. He went to go to Egypt and God said, don't go. Wait here. Not only wait, but sow. Invest. Establish yourself. And this is a time when what has been done before isn't going to work. We have a new. We need a new plan. Um, But it's also a time for unprecedented capacity for growth. I believe God is calling us to sow into his purpose in our lives while the world around us is paralyzed. And so God's rhema word for us now, his his word, targeted word for this moment, I believe, is plant, establish, sow, expand. When the world gets turning again, we'll reap a harvest. If you're thinking about money, I want to encourage you to don't think about money. Get your head out of your wallet. God has an eternal purpose. God has an eternal purpose. I'm talking about sowing into yourself. Sowing into yourself. So what does that mean? How do I practice sowing into myself? Uh, We can use this time to dig into the word. That's number one. Dig into the word. Get into it. And don't post it. I'm not talking about how many, how many Instagram posts of a scripture can I get up per day. No. I'm talking about metabolizing the word. I'm talking about taking it in, absorbing it. That's planting. That's planting. You know what? Posting Instagram scriptures is good. It's good. Spread the word. But it's actually not planting. It's, yeah, scattering. It's sending it out. And we're called to do a bit of that. But there are also times to plant within you. Within you. I know so many people who, who are constantly on social media with the Bible, and there's no difference in their lives week to week, month to month, year to year. No difference. And you think, man, you you constantly hitting me with scriptures, but... When we have a conversation, you don't know anything about the Bible. It's interesting. And so we're actually called to metabolize the word, and that's how we're going to sow into ourselves in this time. Um, read books. That's another thing we can do, read books. It's, it's um, not as entertaining as Netflix. It's not as, you know, flashing lights and keep you occupied. No. But it does, again, it metabolizes, it's sowing, it's, it's planting something within you that can be drawn on later. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I thoroughly recommend The Hiding Place. It's a Corrie ten Boom book. It is amazing. I've read it twice in the last year. 
and I'm probably going to read it again. It's so, so good. So get your hands on a good quality book like that. You know, they're available in Audible and Kindle and that. You don't have to go to the bookshop anymore. Books can come to you. So don't, don't make excuses. Take the time and really begin to build into yourself. Obviously, another way we can build into ourselves is pray. Spend time in prayer. I mean, it seems like we're about to have a whole lot of time on our hands. Use it wisely. Use it wisely. If you use this time to plant within yourself, you'll find that when the world starts up again, you have a capacity that you didn't have when you went into this. And growth in areas you've neglected previously. So you can do that. You can, you can say, what do, what do I need? What, when I think about my future, where do I see the gaps? Do I have a lack of financial understanding? Get a finance book. Um, do I need to work on my relationships? Get a relationship book. Read the word. Read books. Use this time to fill some gaps. Isaac harvested that same year. You know, the automatic response of a seed being planted is growth. The work we do is planting. The work God does is growing. And so you don't, don't be weighed down by the process of the growing. Does that make sense? Just take responsibility for the planting. Yeah. You know, the world sees a withdrawing, but God sees an advancing. This is a time where we can really sow into ourselves, um, invest in ourselves, invest in who we are going forward, because this too shall pass. And when it does, we need to have wheels moving. Oh, I've skipped ahead in my notes. I'm looking down, I'm like, I've said that, I've said that. All right. De declaring, declare some words. You know, find scriptures about things that have been troubling you and begin to speak them out. Um, a book I'm reading at the moment um, by Havilah Cunnington says, declaration is pronouncing what you believe, not what you feel. Pronounce what you believe, not what you feel. And we feel... Like there's a shadow creeping over us. But what do we believe? We believe God is greater. Yeah. And so speak that out. Declaring is getting it out of your mouth. And so begin to declare it over this situation at this time. Excellent. Okay. Now, yeah, planting seeds. We're responsible for the planting part. God is responsible for the growing part. The second part... The second part that God challenged me on with the scripture on Monday um, while I was at work is sowing into others. So we've talked about sowing into ourselves and what that looks like. What about sowing into others? And we're, we're social distancing, but it doesn't mean we're alone. It doesn't mean we can't reach out. Um, so in the... <laughs> I haven't written the scripture reference. Um, there's a big long scripture I'm going to read now and thankfully Ash knows what it is. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't written it. There it is. Okay, cool. So it's a lot of reading. I'm going to read it. So here we go. 
Sometime later, is that what we're up to? Yep, cool. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So this is Elijah, right? There's a, there's a drought in the land. He proclaimed the drought. And so he knows it's coming. He was being fed for a while by a raven bringing him meat, and he was by a creek. But that dried up, and the raven stopped coming. And so who knows? Even in times of drought, within one drought, God can use multiple ways to bring you blessing. Okay, so this is after that. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of God, a word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Like, whoa. She's not rolling in it, is she? She's, she's on her last legs. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me, from what you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Right, that's a big long scripture, but what, a, what an amazing story, isn't it? Um, so notice something just straight away. It was not a contest of who's doing worse. And sometimes when we are engaged with others, that's what we make it. And so the, both Elijah and the widow were in difficult positions. They were both stuck. But the word of the Lord came and Elijah said, if you do this, this will happen. And how's this lady like, like her response? I love her response because do we have that response? God says, take what little you have. God, I have nothing. Well, give it to me. Are you serious? You give me something so I can give to you. That's our method, isn't it? But something rose up in her. And, um, and she said, and she, it, the something was obedience. The something was obedience. So Elijah, she didn't say, oh, I'm more starved than you and I have a son to feed. You can keep walking, mate. You know, that might have been our response. But she's like, okay. And so remember, Elijah said, uh, God said to Elijah, I have directed a widow. So we don't hear about what that direction was for her. Perhaps he said to her, there's going to be a guy come, and I want you to make him some bread. She's like, oh, what bread? Are you serious? And then sure enough, the guy comes. And so she responds, however that went down in her side of the coin, she responds by doing it. And in doing so, she sowed into her community, didn't she? Into the kingdom of God, in fact. She sowed. 
with what little she had in a time of drought that was affecting everybody. But ultimately she was obedient and that's what we need to be. She realized that she was dead either way, didn't she? Oh, what's, what's the difference? I have a little less bread before I die. What's it going to cost me? And we need to realize the same thing. We have nothing without God. We have nothing without God. No money in our banks, no roof over our heads, no food in our cupboards, no breath in our lungs or beat in our hearts. We have not one of those single things without God say so. So why don't we trust him when things are looking bad? And, and, and just coming back to money, I, I'm always reminded, the Israelites, when they got first escaped from Egypt, they had the entire wealth of that Egyptian nation with them. They were arguably the richest people in the world at the time. And God immediately led them into a place where the wealth meant nothing. They had gold, more gold than you could possibly imagine, and they couldn't feed themselves. So don't trust your money. Don't trust your money. It's God who provides anyway. So at these times, we need to share what we have and be generous. At all times, we need to share what we have and be generous, but especially in times of lack. Time and time again in Scripture, we see generosity opens the door to provision. And sacrificial generosity, too. So this time that we're in now of increasing economic uncertainty, even if, it, even if the virus stopped tomorrow, the economic roll-on is is going to be pretty bad. But who, where are our eyes? And in this time, there might be job losses and difficult times coming upon ourselves or people we know. But we need to ask God how, how to show us how to sow in the community because it's not actually a time to withdraw and be greedy. God will only get things to you. It's a principle. God gets things to you by you giving it away. We know it. Don't we know it? So this is a time not to hold close, but to be generous into your community. And what can you do? Can you go door knocking? Like, and then like, stand back and when they open the door, maybe there's an old lady across the road from you. Hi, I'm Chris. I live down the road. Just wondering, do you need me to get groceries? Because I'm safer at the grocery store than you are. Is that something you can do? What can you do? Ask God to show you who can I connect with? Who can I call and encourage? Who can I say, hey, chin up, you know, can I pray with you? Who in my community can I reach? Who in my sphere can I bring light into this darkness? Be practical. God's a practical God. He's not overly spiritual. He's a practical God. My sister lives in Auckland in this little cul-de-sac. Oh, I've forgotten to ask the musicians to come if I can get a musician or, yeah, Kevin, that'd be awesome. My sister lives in a, <laughs> in a little cul-de-sac. She's been there for about five or six years and it's just really, really low socioeconomic place in West Auckland. And there's like 14 different nationalities just on the round part of the cul-de-sac. There's um, like refugees and Pacific Islanders and just every kind of person and my sister and her 
um, flatmates have really reached into that community and they've um they've just there's homeless people everywhere like so over the back of lincoln road and there's like homeless people over the back of my sister's fence and she knows them all and she brings them lunch and birthday cakes she brought a guy a birthday cake uh, a couple of months ago he'd never had a birthday cake like 23 years old or something like that never had a birthday cake in his life been on the street since he was eight in new zealand and so Claire reaches out, my sister, and um, she's about to move. So today and this week, they're moving, her and her, her, and her fiancé are moving out of Auckland. They were going to do it in a few months' time because they're getting married, but this virus has kind of forced their hand a little bit, so they're moving. And she was saying the other day, oh, I have to prepare this and that and this for, for all the people on her street. And it made me think, if I moved, who would notice? If I moved, what impact would it have on my street? I have a bit of a relationship with the old lady across the road whose husband died a couple of years ago, and we, we sort of chat, and, and um, I, I make sure she's okay, you know, a couple of times a week. But apart from that, I, c- I couldn't name any of my neighbours. And I felt challenged by that. And, um, and Claire has been such a hub of her community. I mean, she's, and she's been a uni student the whole time. It's not like it's a financial thing. But she has reached out to everybody and met so many needs, so many needs, to the point where her street is going to, like, heavily notice her absence. Can we be like that in our communities? Can we be ones who reach out? And if we, if we weren't there, people would know. If we moved away, people would know. For me, like hearing my sister talk about that, it reset the bar for me. I was thinking, what have I been doing? What have I been doing that I don't know the names of, I only know the name of one of my neighbours? So I felt challenged. Can we be that person in this time of darkness? Now's not a time to go, oh, well, I'm staying inside. I mean, it is, but we can, there are ways we can reach out. Everybody's feeling this darkness. How can we be the light? Pray and really ask God how you can shine his light in the shadowy in this shadowy time. As we sow seeds of the demonstration, it's a practical thing, it's a demonstration of God's light, we will reap a harvest, an eternal harvest. This is an opportunity to sow seeds that fill this room when we can fill it again. This is the season for the body of Christ to walk above the waves and to show people that there is a God in heaven and that God loves them. And that God is, cares about them. But, but God needs us someone to show them. God needs us someone to knock on their door, to sow into their life, to show up with bread and milk and say, hey, I don't know how you're doing, but here. And ask God, be strategic, because we don't know what's going on in the houses around us, but God does. He knows exactly how to meet their need and he will tell us how to do that. So let's be proactive about this. You know, the Bible, the Great Commission says, go unto all the world. Now, we're being told to shut away from all the world, and that's wisdom. We need to look after ourselves. I'm not suggesting we don't. But we can still go unto all the world in this time. We can still be light bearers in this time. So I'd like everyone to stand as I wrap up. Thank you, Lord, Father.